Pastor Xavier Reese with an encouraging prophecy of a victorious end. The world authority and power will be by and through Jesus. Notice, His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This is the millennial kingdom. The enemies will be defeated. The victory will be God's. There will be no peace, ladies and gentlemen, until Jesus Christ comes back. We may experience some periods of peace, but that's only while they're preparing for the next war. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The prophet Zechariah joined Haggai in the task of encouraging the construction of the temple and to see it through to its completion. Zechariah reproved the people. He gave them encouragement and exhortation, as well as the promises of God's blessing, and spoke much about the Messiah and what would happen to the Jews and the nations upon his second coming. Let's listen as Pastor Xavier continues our study series now of the minor prophet Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9, we're going to look at the whole 17 verses. The message is entitled, God's Prophetic Schedule. I want to speak to you on Zechariah's revelation about the preparation of God for the coming of the Messiah. And it involves three very important prophecies here in chapter 9. The castigation of the enemies of Israel comes first. This is the period we are in terms of the end of Babylonian captivity. Notice um, verse 1 and 2. The prophet Zechariah revealed God was going to judge certain cities in Syria. The first city is Hadrach, modern day Lebanon. The second is Damascus. This is the capital of Syria and always has been and still is. Now the third city, Hamath. Bordering Damascus, it tells us, in other words, of close proximity. But also, this territory was promised to Abraham by God. Notice uh, in verse 2 still, the prophet uh, Zechariah revealed God was going to judge certain um, Syrophoenician cities. So he's working his, his way from the northern region now out to the, to the west, to the coast. And the judgment of God would come upon Tyre and Sidon. These two are always mentioned together, very important. For God said, for Tyre builds herself a tower, a massive wall, 150 feet high, about a half a mile out from the mainland to the island city. It heaped up silver like dust, it says, gold like mire in the streets here. Their wealth was immense. The expression indicates that silver and gold were as common and abundant as dust and mud. Notice the judgment of God would be fulfilled in spite of the security and wealth. In verse 4, Zechariah declares, Behold, regardless of her seeming safety and security, regardless of her immense wealth, Zechariah declares, The Lord will cast her out. He will destroy her power in the sea, and she will be devoured by fire. History confirms this. In verse 5 through 7, the prophet Zechariah revealed then God was going to judge certain cities of the Philistines. Now he's worked up north, Syria, moved to the east. Now he's working down south. Zechariah revealed Ashkelon would be petrified, witnessing the destruction of Sidon entire by Alexander the Great. Zechariah revealed Ekron next, realized their financial commerce was gone. Listen to the words, for he dried up her expectation. 
The Philistines constantly traded with Tyre. Jeremiah speaks about it. Notice Zechariah next revealed the head ruler of Gaza would be killed. The king shall perish from Gaza. They would be conquered. They would cease as a people. Zechariah then revealed Ashkelon would be abandoned. It will not be inhabited. All of this was fulfilled by Alexander the Great as he worked his way from the north to the south, even going down to Egypt. We don't get Egypt here, but Jeremiah picks it up. Isaiah picks it up. Now, all these, all these detailed itemized things, they came to pass. They can be verified. The evidence is all over. He will take away the idolaters' worship. Listen, I will take away the blood from the mouth and the abominations from between their teeth. This is their idol worship of blood sacrifice and all the debauched things they did that God hated. God would assimilate the surviving Philistines into Israel. Listen, but he who remains of the Philistines, even he shall be for our God and shall be like a leader in Judah and Akron like a Jebusite. He's referring to the days of David when the Jebusite came under the control of Israel and they assimilated into the nation. The prophet Zechariah in verse 8, now all of a sudden it's been dark and man, there's judgment. All of a sudden, there's a turnaround. The prophet Zechariah reveals that God was going to spare the city of Jerusalem. In the midst of all this stuff, Alexander the Great is coming down, destroying everything. And this one city he's going to leave alone. God will protect it. I will camp around my house because of the army. My house. God was now working on behalf of Israel once again. God gives the reason. Notice in 8. Because of him who passes by and him who returns. Alexander is the person indicated here. He first went down to Egypt. Coming from the north down from Syria. Phoenician down to Egypt. His conquest. Then he went back up to Jerusalem. He did not destroy Jerusalem on the way down or the way up. That's what's referred to here. God's on the throne. He's not biting his nails. So this was... The castigation of the enemies of Israel that were the next thing on the agenda, God's schedule in preparation of the coming Messiah. Secondly, notice verse 9 and 10, the declaration of the coming Messiah of Israel. In verse 9, the prophet Zechariah revealed the first coming of the Messiah. This verse in Zechariah is quoted by Matthew, as you know, Matthew 21, verse 4 through 5, what is traditionally called the triumphal entry. The so-called triumphal entry was not from the earthly perspective, though, but from the heavenly perspective. Jesus came in his first coming to judge the sins of the world upon his own person. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus came to make the only way by which a sinner can be forgiven of his or her sins and be one with God. 1 John 2, 2. And God made him to be the propitiation for our sins, not ours alone, the believer, but the whole world. Verse 9 of Zechariah contains both the first and the second coming mixed together without distinguishing them short term and long term as we see often, like Isaiah 61 through 3, where Jesus went to the synagogue at Nazareth and proclaimed the fulfillment of Isaiah, stopped right in the middle of the verse, closed the book. Or rolled it up. Because of the first and second coming. Look at verse 10. The prophet Zechariah revealed the second coming of Messiah. 
God will intervene and defend Israel and Jerusalem against her enemies right at the end of the Great Tribulation and in the Battle of Armageddon. The entire nation is indicated. Notice, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. Ephraim is used for the whole of the ten northern tribes, Israel. Jerusalem represents Judah and Benjamin, the southern kingdom. You have northern kingdom and southern kingdom. The victory is guaranteed, notice, in ten. The battle bowl shall be cut off. The enemies will be defeated. The victory will be God's. Then notice God shall establish the kingdom age. There at the end of verse 10. The world peace that has never been accomplished will be established by Jesus. He shall speak peace to the nations. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. There will be no peace, ladies and gentlemen, until Jesus Christ comes back. We may experience some periods of peace, but that's only while they're preparing for the next war. The world authority and power will be by and through Jesus. Notice, his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This is the millennial kingdom. The sea to sea is the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea. Those are the two seas in the land of Israel. Because Israel will be the capital of the world, religious and political. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies, ladies and gentlemen, in his first coming. The manner of his birth, the place of his birth, the rejection of Jesus by the Jews, the manner of his death plus his resurrection, the evidence is all over. It's whether we believe the evidence or not. Jesus declared the detailed destruction of the city of Jerusalem by Titus in 70 AD, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. The destruction of the city, the dismantling of the temple, not one stone left upon another. That's quite specific. The slaughter of the Jews, the scattering of them throughout the world, the rebirth of the new nation of Israel. Once again, all of these are verified. Zechariah is speaking about 400 years before the coming of Christ. We're 2,500 years the road down here. We have all the evidence behind us. This was the declaration of the coming Messiah of Israel. Notice third and last comes the restoration of the people of Israel, verse 11 through 17. 11 through 13, the prophet Zechariah revealed the basis for God acting. It was a covenant that he had. God encouraged the people to return to Zion. The captivity was over. Listen to his words. The blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. God would Show himself favorable and gracious due to the covenant, the blood of your covenant. At Mount Sinai, God made a covenant with the nation, as you know. Moses said in Exodus 24, 8, took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord Yahweh has made with you according to all these words. And he read the curses, the blessings, they agreed with him. God had brought the 70 year captivity to an end. I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. 
The word prisoners refers to the, their captive bondage under God's punishment for their unfaithfulness. It was over. The water pit refers to the horrible suffering and oppression under the hand of Babylon. Jeremiah says, 25, 11, In this whole land shall be desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. History records it exactly. Look at verse 12. God encouraged the captives to return under his protection. This is all was speaking before of the, that 400 year period in here with the Maccabean period, okay? The city of Jerusalem returned to the stronghold. Your prisoners of hope. That's what's being identified here, Jerusalem. That's the stronghold. Place of safety, the place of, of future hope. The people would be restored to a favorable condition with God. Listen to his words. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. I declare I will restore. The meaning of restore double to you. To you and I it means nothing. To the Hebrew it was a glorious, glorious message. It indicated a complete and full restoration. That same expression is used in Isaiah 40 verse 2. It says, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord Yahweh's hand double for her sins. In other words, here's your sins and here's the payment. Double, completely reconciled. This was good news to them, see? Notice in 13, God encouraged them, the people returning to the land by saying that he was going to help them to defeat the forces of Greece. This is, again, during the 400 years of silence between Malachi and John the Baptist, the intertestamental period. God presented himself as the warrior, don't miss this, as he fights for Israel through his people as his weapons to stand against and defeat the enemy. Judah would be his bow. Listen to his words. For I have bent Judah... My bow. The word bend literally means to tread. And I was trying to figure out where I'm looking all around and all that. It's because when you string your bow, you put your foot on the bow and bend it to string it. He's using his own people, Ephraim. And here, Judah as the bow. Then Ephraim would be his arrow. Listen, fitted the bow with Ephraim. <laughs> He's personifying his people as his weapons, both in the prophetic perfect for the future, but notice expressed as already fulfilled, I have, it says twice. When God says something's going to happen, it's as good as happened. Yet when he prophesies something to happen, he never forces people to do the evil. He only knows that people will do the evil. God doesn't force people to do the good. He knows the good they will do. But none of that keeps him from being to predict accurate things of the future. For him, it's no problem. Notice God identified the enemy as those of the successors after the death of Alexander. Verse 13 there at the end, God gathered and indicated his own army. He inducted here his own army of Israelites to fight the Syrio-Grecians and raised up your sons, O Zion, Identify against your sons, O Greece, Alexander, 
And all his generals, Cassanders and Silomachus and the Ptolemies, and you had the wars of the Ptolemies, and the, but they're the north and the south that they fight. And just exactly, and history confirms all this. Amazing. God declared the victory as already done, the Ptolemies, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. This mighty man. So, Alexander the Great, all these guys that follow him, God helped the Macedonians against Antiochus Epiphany. Very clear in scripture, a type of the Antichrist. Daniel tells us that in chapter 8, verse 9 through 14, and chapter 11, verse 32. We studied that when we were there with Daniel. Daniel prophesied about the Antiochus failed attempt to take the city of Alexandria. And Rome forced him to leave or die. And so he vented his anger on the way back with, and polluted the sanctuary of, the, of Jerusalem aided by apostate Jews. He makes this clear in Daniel eleven twenty nine through 30. And he slaughtered a pig on the altar and forced the flesh of pigs down the throats of the priests and slurred it all over the sanctuary. He took away the daily sacrifice place a statue of Zeus in the temple, the abomination that makes desolation that Daniel spoke about and also is recorded in the Maccabees, 1 Maccabees 1, 2, and 3. The Maccabees defeated him and rededicated the temple. Miraculously, God provided the oil for the lambs the eight days, dedicating the temple after purifying it in December the 25th, 165 B.C., what's commonly known as the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah. The only unbiblical feast, plus Purim. Two unbiblical feasts. They're historical feasts. Now notice verse 14 and 15. The prophet Zechariah revealed the battle and victory by the hand of God. So all this stuff I'm talking about can be verified. The battle is described by many metaphors of war. God will be fighting for them. God will be their commander. Then the Lord Yahweh will be seen over them. That's always encouraging. When your coach leads you or your boss leads your son, when the Israeli army is going to battle, is there officers that lead the charge? Different than the rest of the armies of the world. God will strike quickly and not miss. And his arrows will go forth like lightning. God would lead the charge. The Lord God will blow the trumpet and go with the whirlwinds from the south. Notice in 15, the victory is declared in detail and certain. Their captain of the armies of heaven will protect them. The Lord of hosts will defend them. 54 times in the book, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. The Jews would be the weapons of God. They shall devour and subdue with sling stones. They shall drink and roar as if with wine. They shall be filled with blood like basins, like the corners of the altar. In other words, they will be the victors in this slaughter, this battle. The victory is vividly described by the emphasis of repeated phrases, shall devour, subdue, and fill with blood. All in favor of Israel. This is identifying the Maccabean period that can be verified historically, ladies and gentlemen. Notice verse 16 and 17. The prophet Zechariah revealed promise of salvation and blessing. In 16, the blessing is salvation, not mere deliverance. He's dealt with the deliverance. Yahweh would reconcile the adulterous wife. 
the Lord Yahweh their God will save them in that day. The focus is salvation. The phrase that day is used from chapter 12, 13, and 14 to indicate the final and complete restoration of the remnant of Israel in the last days of the great tribulation and the second coming. Right here, our context refers to the Maccabean period. After this, it will be exclusively for the last days of the Great Tribulation and the Battle of Armageddon. Notice God was also now used the other metaphor of a shepherd. Their shepherd watching out for them as the flock of his people. Psalm 103 says, No, that the Lord Yahweh, he has guided us. He who has made us, not we ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. God would value them also, notice, as precious, for they shall be like the jewels of a crown. God would honor them, lifted like a banner over his head, in joyous oneness of God with his people once again. Look at 17, then comes the blessing, and it's earthly blessing to Israel. The blessing is celebrated. And fulfillment for how great is the goodness and how great its beauty. The return not only to the land, but to the God. Remember Haggai, first chapter? You return to the land, but not to me. God wants the two together. The people in the land go together. But the land is not all. They got to come back and be one with God. We don't see that yet. It will happen. They were looking to him again at this point in history. The material blessing is from God. Mark it well. Grain shall make the young man thrive and the new wine the young woman. Listen to Haggai 2.18 and 19. He says, Consider now from the day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it. Is the sea still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not yielded fruit, but from this day I will bless you. Mark it well, I'm going to bless you, material blessing. The nation of Israel is promised earthly blessings and an earthly kingdom. The church is promised spiritual blessing and a spiritual kingdom, Ephesians 1, 3. Do not confuse them. We're not looking for an earthly kingdom. We're not looking for earthly blessings. Two distinct things. Just as God reconciled the nation of Israel to himself... From the Babylonian captivity, he will reconcile her to himself at the second coming. Listen to Paul, Romans eleven twenty five. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness and part is happened in Israel until the fullness of the Gentile comes in, the full number of people to be saved before the rapture. Paul the Apostle says in Romans eleven twenty six to 28, listen carefully. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That's Israel. For this is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the Father. This was the restoration of the people of Israel. These three prophecies in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. They comprise of the castigation of the enemies of Israel, the declaration of the coming of the Messiah of Israel, and the restoration of the people of Israel. All can be verified apart from the Bible. But the Bible is the most 
accurate, the most trustworthy of all. Pastor Xavier Reese has been providing an end times perspective of the future landscape of the promised land and its people, the nation of Israel. Now you can request a copy of this study titled God's Prophetic Schedule, available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title you'll be asking for once again is God's Prophetic Schedule, or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 